Farmers Inside Track is back with a bang. This week, we have six tips to thrive as a township farmer in Umzanzi. We're joined by Dr. Nodia Malan, an academic and founder of Isindaba Zokutla. Drumroll, please, for the announcement of the first Ingola Feed Innovation Prize. Feed co-founder Kevin Naidu introduces us to Julian Kanjere, the co-founder of Foodprint. We're also joined by Pharmacil Farming Mentor Barry Null in our Farmer Development segment, where he shares some fatherly advice to our new generation farmers. And then, in celebration of Women's Month, we meet this week's hashtag Soil Sister, powered by Corteva AgriScience and Foodform Zanzi. You simply have to hear how Gauteng farmer Renata Grissel managed to break the proverbial glass ceiling. Speaking of powerful women in agriculture, Dr. Dorothea Mostert sheds light on what small-scale pig farmers should be doing in terms of control measures against African swine flu. Our book of the week is by a woman author too. It's called Deeply Rooted Unconventional Farmers in an Age of Agribusiness by Lisa Hamilton. And surprise, surprise, our farmer tip of the week comes from agricultural economist Dr. Sufiso Ndombela from the National Agricultural Marketing Council. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Halala, people of the South. Happy Women's Month and welcome to episode 86 of Food for Mzanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food for Mzanzi. And joining me is journalist Duncan Masiwa. Thanks, Dawn. It is great to be back, even if it's a little bit groggy after our entire team got their COVID-19 vaccinations this week. Yebo Duncan, we're also proud to introduce our new Haisuka campaign against COVID-19 misinformation. Now, this might sound strange to you, but many people are falling for some of the fake news about the vaccine. So we're simply saying Haisuka, the vaccine won't turn you into a horse, and no, nobody is going to plant a microchip in your arm. Okay, let's kick off this exciting show with that promised talk about township farming. We're now joined by Dr. Nodia Malan, a senior lecturer in development studies at the University of Johannesburg. He's also the founder of Isindaba Zokutla, a Soweto-based farmer's lab. Dr. Malan, you believe new and small farmers producing food in Mzanzi's townships can make a significant contribution to our food system, both in food production and in community development. What is your thinking around this and how do we ensure their contribution is seen and valued? Hi. Please remember that the capability to contribute to the food production in the first instance depends upon the capability of the farmer. So it's not really just about agricultural productivity or capability, but it's the capability to produce in a township with local wastes and resources in what we would call a low external input farming system or model. Low external input farming models are really very much the same as organic or permaculture kind of systems, but they really emphasize the ability to look at the local area and make the most of the resources there. 
And this is in distinction to the current agricultural system, which is the ability to harvest inputs from anywhere in the globe. But this is important because local township farmers don't have the funding to access that kind of global harvest. So they need to reorient their ways to harvest the local areas. And all my answers is really about the ability to spot this. To create or to make a contribution to the local food system, it's really important for local farmers, first of all, to increase their capability. And that is really about the ecological intelligence, the way they understand permaculture, biological cycles, how wastes transform into fertility and those kinds of things. So there is really a very strong case for dedicated and comprehensive ecological production approach which could be developed in many, many ways. The linkages with other actors, households, plaza shops, buyers, etc. is important because these linkages create the presence of the township farmer in the township, but these linkages need to be operationalized as productive linkages. So basically, these are all two-way streets because the same people who will bring you your wastes will be your customers So it's important to develop these linkages in complex ways and deep relationship or human cultural ways, which everyone can understand because that then creates what we call the social capital, the trust amongst people to establish an enterprise and for this enterprise to thrive due to sufficient customers. For a local farmer to make a contribution to the food system, the local food system, it has to operationalize the support systems. So it's not only that the production must be done and there must be linkages, but these need to be operationalized. So for instance, WhatsApp can be configured to create a sales channel, an educational channel, and a marketing channel, and a waste harvesting channel. And that's really important. The next thing a farmer must do, she must engage in local education of of the customers and community especially on what is healthy food, which is really only one thing, which is fresh food, and the farmer can deliver this. This then spills over into the health of the community. Community cannot be healthy with wastes lying around. So the waste system is really a way of regenerating the community to give them economically productive activities, picking up litter and exchanging that for food, which makes it economically productive. And this then leads to the last thing, A local farmer must build loyalty systems. So these loyalty systems can support the enterprise and actually create the channels that I've just mentioned about how you can actually support the local food system. And then the Isindaba Zokutla project has developed materials that enables a circular enterprise that avoids engagement with the extractive value chains of industrialized food systems. Tell us about this model and outcomes. So what I did is I really adapted it from the World Economic Forum's uh, publications, and they have developed a very sophisticated model. I think the first uh, iteration was on power drills. How do we redesign the power drill and the enterprises for power drills? So we build a circular system, and it's really about building a chassis that lasts forever and then exchanging the gearbox and the motor as time goes on. And then all the old stuff is recycled, et cetera, et cetera. This can only be done with a loyalty program, et cetera, et cetera. And you can see that I quite dramatically reappropriated these Western, modern, rich, sophisticated models to the township. And I believe that 
the circular enterprise model actually has its best, best, best exemplar in the South African or global local township food enterprise. The key characteristic of a circular enterprise model is, to put it technically, is the operationalization of externalities. What does this mean? This means all the things that are external, all the wastes, the things that we don't want to be part of the enterprise, actually now deliberately become part of the enterprise. Usually we distinguish between producers and customers. The customer is outside the business. You know, only when the product is attractive do they come and buy it. But now we need to move towards a co-creation model for products. So therefore, if you have a relationship with your local customers, they will come to you and tell you how do they want the product. Not about a tomato, but do you want one or two tomatoes and do you want it in a bag or not in a bag? So that is the co-creation of the actual product. So this is really what the operationalization of externalities is. Operationalize relationships as productive. Operationalize wastes as productive. Operationalize marketing as an education strategy and education strategy as a food waste harvesting strategy. All of these things form a holistic whole. And this is how we can think of a township food production enterprise which could be a farm or even a caterer. So here the farmer must know. I mean, he must know how to make waste into composts. I mean, that's quite easy, but you need to be, do more. So you take waste, make composts. From the compost, it goes to worms. From worms, it goes to another system. And only from there does it perhaps go your soil. So those are the kind of complex systems. So the more complicated the system, the better the enterprise. This is also to do with relationships. So the sales become input harvesting, become a marketing strategy. So they're all triple up or double up as different things. And actually, right at the end, the farmer needs to have that ecological intelligence to actually see the farm as an ecological system. It is this which really makes the difference in productivity and gives small farmers a chance to survive. Is if they can integrate these things then it almost becomes a system that feeds itself and just releases value all the time. And that can only be done with a certain and sure measure of ecological intelligence. And then finally, what are some of the key elements to thriving as a township farmer? The first thing is, of course, building communities, sales, products, wastes, education, marketing. But, you know, you cannot get away from in ecological intelligence. So these guys must be able to spot ecological processes in the world and exploit them. You know, they must be able to spot waste as resources, um, landscapes as resources, flows of energy and water as resources, and actually to reinterpret biological cycles which do produce something and to reinterpret that cycle as an economic cycle so that the wealth and the value that it creates can be reappropriated by a person, so a person's life is better. To be able to do that, a farmer must be able to be a designer. So this farmer must design the farm, design the processes in the farm, design a shop as part of the processes of the farm, and design the relationships as part of the processes in the shop which feeds the farm, which then creates the products. So this is a very intimate and very close and very let's say, a subjective but also deeply human way of looking at these things. And this is actually quite beautiful because 
Now we can build enterprises and new systems on how people truly interact with each other. And we can't take that away and put a supermarket in its place, but we can put the economic activity inside human relationships. And therefore, the economic activity will be supported by human relationships. And this is perhaps the most accessible way to improve your business is to just be a really good person. Thanks, Dr. Nudir Malan, an academic and Isindaba Zokutla founder. Now from township farming to innovation in the agri-space, Feed co-founder Kevin Naidu now lifts the veil on the winner of the inaugural Ingola Feed Innovation Prize. So Foodprint is a tech startup that uses blockchain technology to connect smallholder farmers to market opportunities. And Julian Kanjere is, of course, the co-founder of Foodprint. Julian, thanks for joining us. How do you feel about winning the Ingola Feed Innovation Prize? Listen, that's a hundred thousand rand investment right there. We are happy and proud to have received a great response to the prize with some strong competition. Foodprint stood out for us because it really spoke directly to our evaluation criteria, as well as to several of our thematic areas, specifically around local economies, supply chains, and capacity building. Their solution is really built with the South African context in mind, with WhatsApp functionality, low-cost burden to farmers, and being highly mindful of the poor operational capacity of the majority of stakeholders in the food system, all being part of their equation. Lastly, we really felt an alignment between Feed's ethos of democratizing participation in the food system, leading to greater shared equity in its spoils. And what's next for Foodprint? So at the moment, we are working on our Foodprint chatbot, which will be WhatsApp-based, and that's just really trying to simplify data collection for smaller farmers using an application that they're already familiar with, and they don't have to be downloading anything extra, send messages via WhatsApp, and they get uploaded into a platform and onto the blockchain. So this is this is what we're actively working on. I think with some of the funds that we've won, we'll also be able to give some, some oxygen to building the Foodprint Marketplace, which will be the consumer-facing end of, of Foodprint, you know, with the idea of connecting farmers directly to consumers. Do you see a future with blockchain in the agricultural sector? Absolutely. So I think first and foremost, blockchain has the ability to bring transparency and traceability to food supply chains, particularly when it is used as a single source of truth, a credible source that is. And then also I think the second part here, especially also what we are trying to do with Footprint is if you go to a smallholder farmer today and you ask them, like, can I see your record of operations, you know, your production and operational data, what you've harvested, what you've grown over the last, say, 24 months or 36 months, Sometimes it's really difficult for farmers to, to give a credible looking picture or credible set of data. And this is part of what we are trying to do through Footprint and the blockchain to say, you know, this is what this farmer has done over the last 24 months. It's anchored on the blockchain. It is credible. And then hopefully using that data, they can then get access to service and markets. So yeah, so the first part I think is, you know, transparency and traceability from a single source of truth. The second part is helping farmers with this credible record keeping. And I think the third part is because we're already using the blockchain, it then means that we are one step closer to being able to roll out or you know, to play a part in some financial services that are based on the blockchain. So be it offering loans to farmers or insurance products, you know, using the blockchain as an efficient payment rail. I think, yeah, this is some of the potential that blockchain technology has within the agricultural sector. All the best, Julian Kanjere, co-founder of Footprint, the first winner of the Ngola Feed Innovation Prize. 
We now change gears to farmer development. KwaZulu-Natal farming mentor Barry Nell has become a father figure for many up-and-coming farmers. To him, farming is a way of life. And he's got some great advice too. The first thing that he always said was, never overplay your hand. In other words, never ever do what you're not capable of doing. Do what you can do, but at the same time, don't get stagnated into one onto one thing. You know, that you, you've got to develop as things were developing, you know, in the 40 odd years that I've been farming. Things have developed, technology and all that has developed a lot. So you can't stay behind. You must keep track with what is going on. And that was one of the things that he always said to us. The other thing is always be honest. With mm-hmm. doesn't matter with who or what. If you deal with the bank, you must be honest. If you deal with whoever, straight, honest business and work hard, then you'll succeed. So that's one of the truths in life. If you're a straightforward, honest person and you work hard, you will survive and you will go forward. At the end of the day, you will come out on top. I'm almost retired now, so I just want to retire nicely on my little piece of land, yeah. But my goal that I've told, and that's what's keeping me going with the farm soul thing, is I want to share my knowledge with so many people out there that's so hungry for this knowledge. And I've got it. can give it to people to better their lives and their future and for the future of the generations to come. And like I always say to my wife, I'm doing what I'm doing to create a better future for even for my grandchildren and my children and my grandchildren. Because if my son and my grandson can work hand in hand with another commercial farmer, a black farmer, and they work together and they feed this nation, I mean, what more do we want? What better success story can there be? If everybody that's a farmer, the benefit and the privilege of working soil, because it's a privilege, because the soil, the land given to us by God. KwaZulu Natal farming mentor Barry Nell. And who knows, if you've got what it takes, you might just be the next Farm Soul Youth Ambassador, featured on Food Form Zanzi. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. When your family doesn't settle for anything less than magnificence, give them the best with Magnificent Maze Meal. On the field or in the classroom, Magnificent helps your family perform magnificently. Magnificent is a product of VKB Group. Visit vkb.co.za or like our Facebook page for more. VKB, for the love of the land. Listen, our book of the week is coming up shortly, but we need to quickly update you on some important measures against African swine flu, a disease that is hitting small-scale pig farmers. At the moment, there are open outbreaks in the Eastern Cape, Free State, Gauteng, Mpumalanga, the Northwest, Limpopo and the Western Cape. Dr. Dorothea Mostert, a veterinarian from CS Veterinary Production Consultancy, joins us now. Dr. Mostert, what should small-scale farmers be doing in terms of control measures against the African swine flu? African swine fever poses a significant risk to the small-scale pig farmer in South Africa. These farmers can employ specific measures similar to those employed by big commercial farms to safeguard their enterprises against the virus. Good biosecurity starts with fencing in the production area. When doing so, 
You limit the possibility of contact with contaminated sources such as feral pigs, warthog, bush pigs and humans who can carry the virus on their shoes and clothes. Access to the piggery should be controlled. Anybody who wants to access the piggery, staff or visitors should only do so after going through a minimum of a boot change and a foot dip. A full change in clothes is advisable. Visitors should be kept to the absolute minimum. African swine fever can persist in feed. Therefore, only buy feed from a reputable source. When storing the feed, do so in a manner that no contamination from the aforementioned sources can take place. Soil feeding is highly discouraged. The purchase of stock should only be done from reputable sources. Auctions should be avoided at all costs. When purchasing stock, do your homework and make sure that you do not buy from someone that might hold a potential risk for your enterprise. And then what advice do you have in terms of dealing with the outbreaks to ensure that it's resolved effectively? Due to the nature of the virus, controlling outbreaks are difficult. The virus can persist in various environments for extended periods of time. This makes pinpointing the source of the infection difficult in some outbreak situations. Due to the fact that this virus can persist in meat and remain viable on manure and the underside of the soles of shoes, it can travel with people and pigs right across the country. This makes stopping the virus quite difficult. It is crucial that pig keepers and farmers are educated in biosecurity measures to prevent the spread of disease, as well as to get them to understand how the disease works. Often, we will see that if there is an outbreak, pigs will be sold off as quickly as possible due to a fear of the state coming in and culling all of the pigs that remain. This creates, let's call it, super spreader event, which is detrimental to the rest of the pig population. Thanks a million, Dr. Dorothea Mostert. Now let's move the discussion on to our book of the week here on Farmers Inside Track. Farmers selected deeply rooted Unconventional Farmers in the Age of Agribusiness by Lisa Hamilton, Food from Zanzi's Senior Lizwe Citizen Journalist of the Year, Terian Brewers, reviewed this book. Hi Dawn and Duncan. Deeply Rooted tries to show readers what has gone wrong in the food system through telling the stories of three unconventional farmers, a dairy farmer, a rancher and an organic farmer. The three different stories focus on some of the historical aspects of each type of farming and the threats that these farmers have to deal with while trying to establish their place in modern society, where farmers have been pushed to the back and are no longer looked at as leaders in their communities. The author's objective is to make the case that in order to correct what has gone wrong with the food system, we must first bring farmers back to the table and back into their leadership positions. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. Thanks, Terry Ann Browers. Another must-read for anyone and everyone who loves agriculture.
You know we can't let you go without introducing you to this week's hashtag Soil Sister, powered by Corteva AgriScience. Farmer Renata Grissel from Midrand Gauteng started producing fertilizer in 2018 and decided to go into farming with her brother to make a difference. Besides being an inspiration to many to take the plunge and follow their dreams, she is currently also on a year-long blended development program at the Gibbs Entrepreneurship Development Academy. Renata, tell us a bit more about your farming operation and how you got started. I decided to go into farming in 2018. It was motivated by two factors. One hand, I had experienced a bit of difficulty in the corporate world and I wanted to get away from that a bit. And on the other hand, I wanted to work for something that gave me more of a purpose, which I didn't really find in the corporate world. The name of my business is Polyorganics. We started by collecting manure from stables in our area and making compost from it. From there, we started branching out into leafy green farming, and that portion of the business is called Polyveg. And what do you love most about farming? What I love about farming is that it's part of a community. It's where we all have a common need, which is to eat. It's also where we are bridging the gap between ourselves and the environment. I think it's often easy to forget how important the environment is to us when we're able to change everything. But in farming, you can't forget that because the minute you try and get something from the environment, food in particular, you really do need to start looking after the environment. And that's what I love about it. It's a look after the environment and the environment will look after you relationship. I think what inspires me the most and what helps me get up every day in the morning is that I am working for a greater cause. With composting, you start feeding the soil and all food comes from the soil at some point. If it's greens or plant-based food, it comes from the soil. And if it's meat-based foods, your animals that you use to create the meat products had to eat something that came from the soil. I think what's amazing is with composting, you are at the start of what's known as the food web. And without feeding the soil with compost and microbes and the really rich nutrients that plants need to grow, there can be no life on earth. And it's so important to look after the environment. And to do that, you need to look after the soil. So making food for the soil is what motivates me and inspires me to make sure that we carry on no matter how difficult it gets. I think one challenge that I do experience, not necessarily as a woman in farming, but as a woman, is that, and I think it's changing. I do feel like in the younger generation, it's not as big an issue anymore, but people don't take you that seriously. Sometimes I'm lucky to have a brother that I'm working with and some clients I have to send my brother in to face them because they won't necessarily do business with a young woman because you don't really have the experience that they have. And it's sad, but sometimes being a man makes you more credible in the construction industry or whatever the situation may be. I can't say that it's a generalization because I think every person is different. There are a lot of people that do respect women but there are also a lot of people who don't. And I think the challenge of not being taken seriously is something that I have noticed, 
but it's also overcomable. And do you have any advice to other women entering the farming arena? I think one tip that I have for other women who want to go into farming and who also experience something like that is do your best. Um, I watched an episode of a series called House. On that episode, the lady doctor, her name is Dr. Cameron, uh, writes an article and the Dr. Foreman actually takes her article and he submits something very similar, but writes, has his name on it and in doing so gets all the credit for all the hard work. So she's very upset and she goes to the head of the hospital and she explains what had happened. And the head of the hospital, who is a lady, a very successful lady, says, so what? Just write another article. And as sad as it is that you have to work double as hard, it's not impossible. So I think not being respected just because you're a woman means that you might have to put in a few extra hours or prove yourself credible in some different way by working a little bit harder. But it's not un overcomable. I think what's amazing about working for yourself is that you don't have to sit with the pay issue. Like you are your own boss and it's just a mental thing. Don't let other people get you down because sometimes it's going to be other women, other times it's going to be men who don't take you seriously. But as long as you're doing your best and as long as you're staying professional, you can still overcome a challenge like that. Thank you, Renata Giesel. And be sure to also read her inspirational article on Food from Zanzi's website, Next up, our farmer's tip of the week comes from Dr. Safiso Ndombela, the Chief Agricultural Economist at the National Agricultural Marketing Council. Now, he shares his advice for any new farmer who's interested in tapping into global markets. I think in terms of adding on the website of and above the Citrus one, as well as the department one at dawrt.gov.za, is also the fruit SA, which looks over and above just citrus, other fruits that are there. And then it, it direct, they have nice links there where if you have an interest either in table grapes or in stone food, it takes you into the stone food website or into the table grapes one. So those are the websites that you've got to have them at your disposal. But also on the vegetable forum, and they have a variety of commodities, whether it's a tomato, or cabbages or, or potatoes which you can link you in that as a trick and i think for me as a, the most important tip i can give or advice if you can forget everything i said today i call it a social capital you've got to be able to find someone in the space it could be another smallholder farmer it could be a commercial farmer and when i mean a commercial farmer i don't necessarily mean a large established uh, white commercial farmers because you can be a, a smallholder farmer but operating in terms of commercial but you've got to be able to look up at someone who have walked this and those that have experience and be able to establish a working relationship with that. Because once you have established that social capital, not only you have access into someone who can help you synthesize the information that will be harvesting, but you also have an opportunity to observe how it's actually done in practical. And that for me, I think it's a best lesson that you can be able to invest in your business as you grow, if you can invest in formulating that social capital for your business in the export space, you would have done justice into all other investment that you will be making into your farm or into your firm or any other enterprises that you do. So lastly, develop that social capital. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring. And that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens, the CO.za, or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB. 
for the love of the land. And that tip of the week from Dr. Sifison Tombella, Chief Agricultural Economist at the National Agricultural Marketing Council, brings us to the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Food Foam Zanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or YouTube. And of course, remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. The Farmer's Inside Track is available for free on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and of course also on foodformzanzi.co.za. Also stay tuned to Food From Zanzi as we continue to celebrate women in agriculture every day and not just because it's Women's Month. From me, Duncan Masiwa, Don Numdu, Nicole Ludov, Terry Ann Brewers, and the rest of the Food From Zanzi team, have a great week and say hi, Suka, to COVID-19 fake news. Hashtag get the jab. Corteva is in it for farmers, for good. As a company solely focused on agriculture, we understand the impact of climatic and soil diversity, the unique requirements of each region, each farmer, each crop, and the need for sustainability. To this, we apply our global mind. With 5,000 researchers in more than 130 countries, ensuring farmers of advanced seed technology and guarding growing investments through innovative crop protection. Local investment includes research facilities on par with the best in the world and the largest private insectary in Africa. Advanced genetic breeding is combined with intense trials, testing and refinement in different bioclimatic zones to bring forth the best in-class products. Beyond in-seed value, our on-seed applied technology on farm crop protection, digital and agronomic solutions are all designed to optimize farmers' productivity, profitability and sustainability. Because by being wholly devoted to agriculture, we have a deeper understanding of farming, the needs of our farmers and the country's need for farmers. This is what drives our researchers to find new avenues for sustainable growth. It is the reason for having state-of-the-art seed production technology on home ground. Our motivation for creating effective, locally proven solutions to protect land and crops with care for the future. This is the world of Corteva in South Africa. Growing progress, enriching lives, now and for generations to come. Corteva, keep growing. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co. Dot Z A.